All right, we continue our uh, series here, The Dark Side of Christmas. Today we're going to talk about uh, frustration uh, and, uh, and peace. So uh, one thing I guess we probably all can agree on, uh, something we probably share in the room, is having those times and periods of frustration. Amen? Do we all agree? Yeah, we're all there, right? <laughs> we all go through part of a broken, uh, broken world. And uh, when it comes to the whole uh, the Star Wars uh, movie experience, I mean, who's who's the character that you enjoy most in terms of how he expresses uh, his frustration? Well, for me, that's kind of an easy one, and uh, you'll see it in this uh, clip here of uh, how uh, Han Solo uh, kind of repeatedly throughout the whole series how he deals with with frustration. So this is one of the more famous clips again from the whole Star Wars experience. <laughs> so how does he deal with frustration? The answer is, blast it, right? I mean, it's kind of usual, you know, his usual response is kind of blast it, sometimes with, with uh, you know, with, with a weapon, sometimes with his words, but nonetheless, he just kind of uh, uh, blasts it, right? Well, frustration, this thing to, to get frustrated. Definition is to prevent from accomplishing a purpose or fulfilling uh, a desire, when it comes to the Christmas story, uh, there is all kinds of frustration. And it's also the reality of a dark world, right? That in, in a dark world, in a broken world, the world we live in, uh, there is ample room for the experience of frustration. And that's what we've been doing these weeks is talking about the dark side of Christmas, this dark world that God uh, came into. And so each week we've been giving you kind of one big idea at the very beginning to, to hold on to, right? And so uh, the first week it was, look, God's not afraid of the dark, right? Uh, second week is God's not scared of your shame. And the big one today is that God is not fearful uh, of your frustration, God is just simply not fearful of your frustration. By the way, there's going to be a lot of F words this morning, so take note of those in the right context, by the way. But there'll be a lot of words. I work hard at this. There'll be a lot of F words this morning, so take, take note of that. But if you, uh, you look at the Christmas story, the Christmas experience, uh, there is ample uh, evidence of the experience of frustration throughout the whole uh, Christmas uh, experience, right? And so, you know, God is working his plan, working to his purpose. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's come to uh, marry the young woman and said, you're going to bear a child. And okay, good. She's on board. He's, he's worked through Joseph and, you know, his 
questioning and doubting and frustration with everything. But no, okay, Joseph is on board. You got Elizabeth, who wasn't supposed to have a child, but now she's pregnant. Okay, everything's going well there. I mean, everything's moving towards his end and his purpose of bringing this child into the world. And what takes place next? Caesar decides to take a census. Right in the middle of it all, right in the middle of God working his purpose and his plan, right? In the middle of everything unfolding to bring Jesus into the world, Caesar gets the great idea that he needs to take a census. So Luke 2, at the time, at that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus Caesar, right, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the entire uh, Roman Empire. And they did that. These Roman guys, they did periodically just called a census and they needed to find out, you know, how many people were, were uh, in, in the empire and they needed to figure out how much wealth was in the empire. And all of that was important uh, for a couple reasons. One, because they needed to find out uh, how much wealth was in the empire so they could establish how much taxes uh, they could uh, drain uh, out of the people. And two, they need to figure out the population, but specifically they need to make sure they knew the population, especially around the whole family thing, the whole family clan thing, right? Why? Well, you know, you couldn't have any one family get too big or too powerful. And so they had to know what was going on in the empire, what families were prospering, who might be more powerful, and that dictated their armies and where they located their armies. And so if you're in Israel and you're Caesar and know Israel, you would be concerned about King David's family. And so you take a census, King David's family, part of the census, hence Joseph, descended of King David, has to go back to Bethlehem, David's town, and experience the census. All in the midst of God's plan unfolding to bring Jesus into the world. It gets captured in the end. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who is now expecting a child. What just happened in that verse? Mary went in that verse from being pregnant to now what? Expecting, get the catcher's mitt, it's almost time kind of stuff, right? That's what's happening there. Right? We go from kind of, you know, in the beginning of Luke 2, where, you know, the, okay, you're going to get pregnant, you're going to have the baby, to now we're expecting. Now we're like, warm up the catcher's mitt, things are going to start happening, and guess what? Now it's time to go for a census to Bethlehem. Do you sense any possibility of frustration going on here? Right? Absolutely. They have to make the journey of 70 miles from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. There were two routes uh, that they could have taken to, uh, to make that journey, uh, but the net result is either route is going to take them probably around a week, uh, and they're going to do it on foot, right? I know our Christmas cards and all those things have Mary riding on a donkey, and that's possible. It could have happened that way. We don't know, but given their financial status, it's more likely they walk the whole way probably took him about a week uh, to make uh, this journey. And, uh, you know, just like your grandparents going to school, it was uphill both ways. Probably not snowing, but nonetheless, you know, uphill, right? The story's always uphill both ways. But, yeah, this one really was uphill. So to go from Nazareth down to Bethlehem's mean they had to go through mountains and they had to really make the journey uh, up uphill, right? Do you sense some frustration. And of course, by the time they get there, the frustration is mounted because they get there and they finally make the journey and they get there and there's no lodging and there's no room. Do you add to the frustration? 
I mean, you can see in this whole experience, right, as God is doing what God is doing to unfold His purpose, there is ample room in this dark world for this experience of frustration. So how do we deal with the reality of frustration? How did Joseph and Mary deal with the experience of making this journey for a week in their situation? Here we go. Simple truth. Faith fractures frustration. How many F words there? Okay. Faith fractures frustration, right? Faith fractures frustration. Get, so they've got to make the journey. What do you suppose is, is, is going through Joseph's mind as he has to make this journey? I mean, if you put yourself into Joseph's experience and God has said to you what? Listen, go ahead and marry her because the child isn't just any child. Uh, this is going to be the Savior of the world, and you're going to name him Jesus. What do you hold on to as you're Joseph and you're making this journey and you're empathizing with your wife who is expecting catcher's mitt ready? Or Mary. Put yourself in Mary's Situation As you're making each step, right, as you're going along, what, what is it you bring to mind and to heart in order to push yourself through this experience of the frustration that must be going on in their life right now? How do you pull yourself through that frustration? But remember, wait a minute, this child, this is going to be a son, and you're going to name him Jesus. That's what the angel said, after all. I mean, can't you imagine Mary taking each step, feeling each kind of, you know pain of each step, feeling the kick of the baby, feeling all that experience that is is normal and real in walking 70 miles uphill and mumbling in the background of her heart and in the background of her mind, wait a minute, the angel told me, the angel said, come on, he's going to be great. He's going to be called the son of the most high. The Lord God's going to give him the throne of David. I can do this. I can make one more step. He's going to reign over Israel forever and his kingdom's not going to have any end. What do you hold on to in the middle of the frustration. Faith fractures frustration. She had the experience before. Mary could even pull up in her own experience and say, wait a minute, God has proved He can do what seems absolutely impossible in this. When the angel first came to Mary and said, Mary, you're going to get pregnant, she said, how is that possible? I haven't been with a man. That doesn't make any sense at all. And yet, what is she now? She's not only pregnant, but she's catcher's mid-expecting. And Elizabeth, her cousin who was old, not supposed to be of a childbearing opportunity. And now, what? By this time, by the catcher's mitt ready a moment, John is probably in the world. What does Mary hold on to in the middle of her frustration? Faith fractures frustration. There is a great verse in the Christmas story for us that we often miss in this experience. It is this verse right here in Luke 1.37. Would you read it with me? You ready? For the word of God will never fail. Believe it? What do you hold on to in the middle of frustration? Some of you right now may be frustrated with something in your life. Maybe you're just frustrated with the direction your life is going. 
Maybe you're frustrated with your marriage. Maybe you're frustrated with your career. Maybe you're frustrated with your finances. You can make the list of what you might be frustrated with right now. What I can tell you is God's Word never fails. Are you applying God's Word into your frustration? Is your frustration a frustration because you're trying to do things your own way? And I can tell you, if you're trying to do things your own way, God will frustrate you. (laughs) But if you're living in a way that is according to His will and purpose, remember... What's going on here is a purpose and a direction. God is moving toward the birth of Jesus into the world. If you're moving in His direction and His purpose, faith will fracture any of the frustration you meet. You just need to apply, bring into, trust in God's Word. Because Scripture says, for the Word of God will absolutely never fail. It will never fail. I mean, this isn't the only experience in Scripture of frustration, right? When Jesus is older and he's busy doing ministry and he's with his disciples, he gets the bright idea, hey, we're on this side of the lake, let's go over to the other side of the lake. And so the disciples get in a boat and they get going and Jesus nestles down into the boat and he takes a nap. And in this whole experience of that storm that comes upon them, it's the whole conflict, the, the, the juxtaposition between the experience of the disciples getting worried and getting upset and getting frustrated what's with Jesus and what's going on, and Jesus being calm and just sleeping in the middle of the storm, right? The disciples get worried, they get scared, they get frustrated. They even come to Jesus and they say, Teacher, don't you care? Don't you, don't you care about what's going on? Don't we do that? We get frustrated and, and we say, Why is this happening? How could this be going on? After all, doesn't God even care what's going on? We get frustrated with the circumstances. And to be honest, we often simply get frustrated with God. We get frustrated with God and say, God, what are you doing? Why is this happening? I thought I was trying to do it your way. I don't understand why this is. And what does Jesus do? As the disciples are going through all this frustration in the middle of this storm, he is doing what? Calmly, quietly, sleeping. And when he finally wakes up, In the middle of their fear and frustration, when he finally wakes up, what's his response? He stills the storm, and what does he finally say to them? Then he asks them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no, what? Faith fractures frustration. Faith fractures frustration. When we go through those moments, those experiences of frustration, it is the opportunity for us. It's the chance, the opportunity for us first to say, wait a minute, am I frustrated? Should I be frustrated because I'm outside of God's will? I'm outside of God's word? Or do I just need to trust in God's word? Do I just need to make sure I'm in God's word? And if I'm in his will and if I'm in his word, can I just move to a faith that fractures frustration? And if you move to a faith that fractures frustration, get ready. You know it's coming, right? Here's what's next. A faith that fractures frustrations fosters peace. I work hard all week, people. Come on. 
A faith that fractures frustrations fosters peace. Say that fast, real fast. It does. That's what happens in the Christmas story. There is something so cool in the Christmas story when the angels show up to those shepherds, right? And they, and they say, hey, he, he, the Prince of Peace now is in the world. Catch what happens. Catch the juxtaposition. It's like that storm thing, right? This dichotomy. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, and I underlined it for you, the armies of heaven. The armies of heaven. Now, when you think of armies, what do you usually think of? Conflict or peace? Conflict, right? Don't we often think of conflict there? And yet, look what God's armies of heaven say. They're praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When your faith is moving in unity with God's purposes, it will fracture your frustration because the armies of heaven are on your side. When your faith grabs onto a word and a promise that never fails, and you're moving in God's purpose, and not in your own way, not in your own want, not in your own desire, but when your life is moving in the direction and purposes of God, your faith will hold on to that because the armies of heaven will not fail in accomplishing that purpose. The armies of heaven never fail. God's Word never fails. And when we understand that, we have a calmness and a peace. When we understand that, we can go 70 miles uphill. Confident we're going to get there. Confident it's going to happen. Because simply God said it would. Paul says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Make sure you're talking, make sure you're in God's word, God's way, God's will. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. For his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Here's the final one. Faith fractures frustration and fosters peace from a focus on Jesus. Faith fractures frustration and fosters peace from a focus on Jesus. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. In spite of all the frustration, everything that surrounded the darkness of the Christmas story, everything that tried to interrupt the Christmas story... What does the Word finally tell us? God's purposes always get accomplished. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in snugly snugly strips of cloth and laid him in a manger. God's purposes will always be accomplished. Nothing in this dark world was going to stop God from doing his purpose of bringing Jesus into the world. 
And a king who would try to kill him later on was not going to be successful in doing that. And a group of people later and later on who wanted to throw him off a cliff, they weren't going to be able to do that. Why? Because nothing is going to stop God's purposes. It will never fail. And when we live in those purposes, when we get centered, when we focus our lives on Jesus, when we focus into His Word, when we focus into a life of prayer and conversation with God, when our life is surrounded like those strips of swaddling claws, when we're focused in on where God wants our life to go, nothing is going to stop God from accomplishing what He wants to in our lives. Even our frustration. Why? He's not fearful of frustration. He was not fearful on that first Christmas, and he is not fearful today. He is not afraid. He is not fearful of any frustration you have in your life. He will work in and he will work through that frustration and go beyond it. That's why Hebrews says to us, Therefore, Since we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, well, let's strip off every every weight that slows us down, including the frustration, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by doing what? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. What do we do in the middle of frustration? Faith fractures frustration because God is not fearful of our frustration and we just focus on Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thanks. Thanks for being the incredible God that you are, that you are not fearful of our frustration and that even in the middle of that, uh, you work. Uh, We see it in the Christmas story. And so often that darkness... uh, It just tries to take hold of our lives. And uh, today, Lord, we we just want to resist that. And we want to trust your word more than anything. We know it never fails. So uh, build up our faith and encourage us that we can go beyond the frustration, fracture that frustration uh, with a faith, with a faith that will be accomplished by the power of your word and the strength of your spirit and the action of heaven's armies. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You are our peace. Our peace when we put too much on our schedule. Our peace when we worry too much. Our peace during final exams. Our peace when the pie is burning. Our peace when we can't buy any gifts. Our peace when our children don't answer our calls. Our peace when we dump all our problems on you. Our peace that reminds us that we are your children our peace to quiet all the voices in our heads, our peace to keep from going crazy in the silence. You are our peace on earth, our mercy mild. Christ born so we may be reconciled. You bring peace to all nations. We join with angels to proclaim, Christ is born. 
Glory to God. Peace on earth.